trust y'all had a great week, holiday week, and um, who's going back to work tomorrow? Going back to work tomorrow, all right. I know some people, they get the extra day off because it fell on a Sunday, but um, I trust you've had a great week. I want to get started this morning. I don't have a lot of verses. Uh, Mr. Kirk back there was probably surprised to see a short list this morning. But um, I do have a word, and um, it's a very simple word. But going into this new year, um, if you will, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 5. And while you're turning there, I'll kind of let you know where we're headed. Um, Every year seems to be the same, every New Year's Day for most people. Uh, You look back on the last year, whether it was good or bad, But everyone within them has a desire and a want to do something different and something better the next year. Uh, Whether you had a terrible year in 2011 or whether you had an awesome year in 2011, most people don't say, "Uh, I'm looking to go backwards from last year. Uh, Most people don't really say, I'd like to equal what I had last year. Most people want to go above and beyond. Most people want to go to the next level. Now, the thing with this time, you know, for most of us, it's an exciting time. Christmas is an exciting time. New Year's is an exciting time. Um, Today, I kind of want to talk about New Year's Eve because we kind of miss what happens on New Year's Eve in the light of New Year's Day. But for some reason, every New Year's Eve, we have the same feeling that we did from year to year, and that is looking back. And there's usually stuff that we wish we did that we want to do in the next year. But without raising your hand, how many of you have ever repeated a resolution? (laughs) Ever said at the beginning of one year, I'm going to do this this year. And maybe we didn't make it all the way to fruition that year. So now we are repeating the resolution. Yep, i Still need to do that resolution. I still want to lose more weight. I still want to get in the gym. I still want to eat differently. I still want to get my promotion at my job. I still want to get a raise. I still uh, want to quit smoking. I still, I mean, everyone's got resolutions that we, at the day, New Year's Day, we set forth. I mean, gyms are going crazy right now. They're selling gym memberships like crazy. But come February 1st, Hey, that's why they do it 12 months at a time. They get you locked in, man. They say, you signed a year contract because I know February 1st you ain't sticking this thing out, but we're going to go ahead and uh, get all your money for the next 12 months. And so that's what we see. This is a, it, it, You start to see repeat resolutions. And this is what happens on New Year's Eve because I don't know whether you know it or not, but this time of year, although... It's exciting, and there's a freshness and a newness about it. For a lot of times, it's, for a lot of people, it's a sad time. Um, in fact, they say that during the month of December is where they have the most recorded suicides because uh, stress comes on. Maybe you didn't make enough money to buy the Christmas presents you wanted to make um, or that you wanted to get. Uh, you start looking at your last year, and you start looking back at the things you didn't do instead of maybe the things you did do. And how many know sometimes the list of what we didn't do is longer than the list of what we did do. And, um, you know, you're thinking back 12 months, and you look at it as wasted time. And you look back at it, you look back at it as that's another year. And so New Year's Day, we set forth, I'm going to do it. But for some reason, we get to New Year's Eve again for the following year, and we're repeating and in the same boat. In fact, um, I just got word yesterday that a lady in the church um, in St. Augustine, her uh, younger brother killed himself yesterday. Suicide. And as soon as I heard it, I thought about that. It's, you know, it's what they say. This is the most tragic time of the year, although it should be the most exciting. We should be coming off of Jesus' birth and the excitement of what his life brought us and the kingdom that he brought us in this life. And then we should be looking at January 1st of a new year and being excited about the newness and the freshness and what we can accomplish this year and what God has in store for us this year. And so I kind of want to touch on that because, to be honest with you, 
uh, even myself, I don't want to be in the same boat I was yesterday um, and where I was 365 days before that. Um, there's things that I want to accomplish. And, you know, I had a great year. Um, you know, my wife and I made some awesome moves in, in coming up here last year and, and getting to be a part of this with you guys. And um, I know those of you that stuck it out last year, it was a trying year. I know it was. That's not easy for a church where it's optional and you have an alternative and you've got places you can go and you've got things you can do on Sunday morning. And you can do, and there's things you can do on Sunday evenings. And there were those of you that came on Sunday nights when that's all we had was Sunday night. After the football games and during the football games and after eating and you just feel like sitting back in your couch and, and you know, getting ready for the next morning. And you came to church and you stuck it out January through October. And then we got here and we, we got the ball rolling in, in another direction. Those of you that came and just joined up with us, it's exciting to see what God did in the last quarter of last year in three months. Um, and I'm excited about what he's going to do in this first quarter, to be honest with you. God's already starting to give me direction and starting to show us some things he wants to do here. You can see we've already started some, some work here within the facility as much as we can because we're going to be good stewards of what God has given us. He's given us this property. I, I didn't, this isn't mine. I don't possess it. God gave it to me, and he's given it to us for a purpose. And so I'm excited about what we can do here. But, you know, the ultimate goal is to get out in the city. It's to win this city. I heard someone give me a statistic a few months ago when I first got here. They said there's a the population of Valdosta is around 150,000, and 120,000 don't go to church or are unchurched. That's 30,000 people that are in church. That's 120,000. I mean, if, if we get 1,000 people in this church, we're not even touching 10% of that. So this church needs God. Amen. Or uh, this, not we have God. Amen. This world, this city needs God. It's dark. And so we've got a light to shine. And so there's goals and there's things that we want to accomplish this year. Um, but the thing is, is that to accomplish a goal, there's a change that has to take place. I'm sure every single person in this room has a goal for 2012. You've already set out, you've been thinking about it, this is what I want to do this year, this is what I want to change, I want to do this different, I want to add this in my life, I want to get rid of this in my life. I mean, we've all got stuff we want to get rid of and we've got things that we want to add and do differently. And um, what I want to do this morning is help you accomplish that goal. The title of my message this morning is The Difference because there has to be something different. There has to be something different in what we do every day. Um, our lives are a product of what we do, not of what someone else did. Let me tell you what blaming is. When you blame someone or something, you are literally putting your life in someone else's hands. You're putting your future, you're saying someone else is in control of my destiny. That's what blaming is. And we all blame. We blame our past. We blame our Family, we blame our parents, uh, we blame our job, we blame the people we're around. But when it comes down to it, we, are, we have the final say. We have the final say. In fact, we can't even blame our enemies. Because God, when he created the earth, he knew what was in the earth, and he still put Adam and Eve there in the garden. And in fact, he stuck a tree right in the middle of the garden. Why didn't he put the tree in another garden? Instead, just stay in this garden, and you'll be fine. But he actually stuck the tree in the garden. And he didn't even tell them what it was. I mean, he told them what the tree was, but he didn't even tell them what evil was. They had no knowledge of evil. You know, a lot of times, we, you know, if we get in trouble for something, we come back with, well, if I'd have known. He didn't say. Now, Satan's in here. He's probably like a serpent, and he's trying to trick you. He's trying to deceive you, and he's trying to get you to disobey what I've told you to do. He didn't even tell them that. Adam and Eve could not come back. All he did was tell them what to do and what not to do, and that was enough for them to keep their lives clean forever, to keep death out, to keep sin out forever. That's all he needed. That's all Adam and Eve needed. So our enemies, we can't even blame our enemies. In fact, God turns it around and says, if you look at your enemies in the right perspective, they will actually propel you to the next level in your life. He said that you, you can make your enemies your footstool, which means I can use them to get higher. 
and this is happening. I mean, we see this happening with Tim Tebow. I mean, he's got enemies, he's got naysayers, and it just seems to just make him stronger. It just seems to keep pushing him, you know, better and better, you know. And uh, I'm not surprised he's winning the way he is and what he's doing because when it's all said and done, God's going to get the glory. And, you know, whether it's the fourth quarter or the first quarter, uh, God don't care because nothing ever runs out of time on God. But with, with his life, because he's giving God the glory and he's showing that the kingdom is in his life and that's why he's doing what he's doing, he's propelling. And there's no telling what his career can do. There's no telling. The more obstacles and the more people that try to hinder what he's doing is only going to propel him to go to the next level. So he's not sitting around blaming people. Well, Tim, how come you don't have a good passing game? How come this? Well, you know, people just keep dogging me. People just keep telling me how horrible I am. And it's, he doesn't blame it. So when it comes down to it, we have the final say in our lives. So we have control. Uh, let's look here in Luke chapter 5 real quick. Luke chapter 5. Let me get there. Let's start with verse 36. And as you know, I always like to give a background on what's taking place, uh, who's talking, who they're talking to, what's going on. And in this particular instance, Jesus is talking to actually the religious leaders of the time called Pharisees. And they are questioning him on doctrine and tradition. Um, If you look here in verse 33, they're actually asking him about fasting. How come your disciples don't fast? That's what they're talking about. And so Jesus answers back, and in verse 36 he says, He spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. Otherwise the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one, having drunk old wine, immediately desires new, for he says, the old is better. So basically what he's saying here is we know the first thing that Jesus came and preached was, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand, or near you, it's within your reach. Repent. That word repent we know means change your thinking. When I say you need to repent, I'm not saying you need to come down to the altar and cry and boo-hoo and and ask God to forgive you of your sins. I'm saying you need to change the way you see this or change your thinking concerning this subject. So this is what Jesus came. He came bringing the kingdom of God or a totally new message that was basically against what the religious leaders were doing. The religious leaders had gotten so far off of God's commandments and had created man-made traditions that it actually kept people from obeying God's commands. We're going to see in another chapter here that Jesus actually says your traditions that you have created, your man-made rules and, and lifestyles and things that you think you need to do and live by are actually keeping people from obeying God's commands. We'll see this. So Jesus says comes back with this parable and he says, you cannot put what I'm saying into your old traditions. Because they're, ta- they're just confronting him about traditions. That's it. What you're doing. Your disciples are, they're not fasting. Your disciples don't wash their hands. Your disciples don't break bread properly. Your disciples don't go here and you don't do this. That's all it's about. No heart issue. And so Jesus is saying, if you're going to receive what I'm bringing... If you're going to receive the kingdom that I'm here to talk to you about, you are going to have to put it into new wineskins. Quit trying to take the kingdom that I'm talking about and thrusting it into your man-made traditions and what you've created and what you think or how you think you should live. This is what Jesus is saying. He's saying that if you try to take the new and put it into the old, you will lose both. So... This is what the Pharisees are uh, in, in, at risk of losing. They're at risk of losing their own traditions, and they're at risk of following God altogether and losing the kingdom, which we know they ended up doing. They ended up killing Jesus. So 
for this next year, if we're going to see something different, we have to do something different. See, everybody wants change, but nobody wants to change. And that's, that's where the change takes place, is we have to change it. We're not waiting around for someone else to change it. We're not right, waiting around for them, uh, you know, for someone to approach us and give us a free gym membership. No, we just go out and we get it. That's how you get in the gym. Uh, we're not waiting around for uh, someone to buy us healthy food to eat. No, we have to just make the choice to eat the healthy food instead of eating the junk food. Uh, it, it's all throughout our lives. If you want the promotion in your job, then you you do your work faithfully and diligently and get yourself promoted. You just don't hope that someone's just going to pass it. The change is on us. We have the potential within us, and we have the responsibility to do the change ourselves. The word insanity is literally defined as doing the same thing and expecting a different result. Doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And you know what that breeds? That breeds disappointment. And New Year's Eve for a lot of people is full of disappointment. Now, if that's you, I'm not bring, I'm not coming down on you and saying you, your life stinks and you need to. I'm just what I'm saying. We all reach disappointment, and you know what disappointment is? Disappointment is simply an incorrect expectation. See, I drive a V8 truck. So if I'm expecting to get awesome gas mileage, if I'm expecting to get 40 miles to the gallon out of a V8 truck, I'm going to be disappointed. I have an incorrect expectation because the nature of my truck is to burn fuel, suck it down, 12, 13 miles to the gallon. And the stuff I put on it doesn't help either. Okay? But I don't drive around hoping that my needle is going to go slower. I know because I know the nature of my truck. I know what to expect. Therefore, I'm not disappointed. Now, if I buy a Prius that doesn't even make any noise and I'm filling up every three days, then we've got a problem. Now I'm going to be a little disappointed. I bought this thing to save gas and it's not. So... Disappointment comes from having an improper expectation of something, period. Sometimes we uh, expect our children to act differently. Why? Because we've put something in them to act appropriately. And now we're disappointed when they don't. But when you understand the nature of something, you won't be disappointed. When you understand how, if you understand the behavior of something, You won't be disappointed. You won't be disappointed when you hear a dog bark because you know that that's what a dog does is bark. Okay? So how do we get out of this disappointment? How do we get out of this cycle? We have to do something different. Otherwise, we're living in what is called insanity. Otherwise, we're doing the same thing but expecting a different result, and we're getting to December 31st of every year with disappointment and looking back upon failure, and looking back, looking back upon things that didn't change. Well, I want change. Everybody wants change. But when you want change, you have to want to change. You have to want to take, you know, take the steps, take the chances, do the things that are going to bring the change in our lives. That's what Jesus is saying. Look at this in Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. See, Jesus came talking about change. That was his whole thing. Change the way you think. Change what you're doing. Change the way you live. Change the way you talk. Change. He's talking about change. Because you can't accept what he's talking about if there isn't change taking place. That's why he came preaching repent. So in Matthew chapter 15, starting with verse 1, look who he's talking to again. Then the scribes and Pharisees, who were from Jerusalem, came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat. So picky. I mean, they're just, it's as if they're just falling around, just saying, okay, what 
of Abraham are they not doing? What of Moses are they not doing? What are these covenants that they're not doing? If you say you're of God, which Jesus, obviously, that's what he was professing. I am the son of God. I am a king. I am from heaven. I'm bringing a kingdom. That's all he was talking about. And so they're saying, well, if you say you're doing all this, you say you're really all about this, then why are your disciples doing everything that we don't do? And they're just looking for faults and failures. You ever had anyone just look for faults and failures in you? It's like they just follow you and they listen to you. I tell you right now, people that want to be a hindrance to you, they can't be a hindrance to you if they don't hear what you're saying, if they don't see what you're doing. So they're going to follow you. They follow Jesus. I mean, he's preaching in houses that are packed out, and they're standing right there in the middle of them. And there was one house that was so packed out that they had to drop a guy from a roof, cut a hole in the roof and drop him down. Guess who was there? Pharisees. Doing the same thing. Doing the same thing. Picking at his ministry. And, and, and back that time, he read their minds and said, I know what you're thinking, and let me tell you what I'm about to do. So these guys are just following around everywhere. In verse 3, Jesus does something that I just love. He responds to a question with a question. And he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother. He who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God, then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So he just goes ahead and lays it out. Your traditions don't mean anything. In fact, you are keeping people from following and obeying the commandments of God yourself. That word transgress actually means to violate, to rebel, and to overstep. So he's saying you are transgressing God's commandments. You're saying I'm transgressing man-made traditions. But it's way worse when you're transgressing God's commands. Your traditions have got you so locked up that you can't even obey God and do what God is asking you to do. That's what's happening here. And Jesus is messing them all up, man. Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. Uh, he's, got, he's got his uh, disciples out picking food on the Sabbath. I mean, you're not supposed to do nothing. Apparently, you're supposed to just lay on the ground and just look at the ceiling on the Sabbath. That's holy unto the Lord. And he's doing good works on the Sabbath. And they have a problem with that. They're just picking it all up. And he's just messing them all up. I mean, the, the one instance that we read before... Um, was where they brought the lame man to him through the ceiling. And they're saying, uh, and Jesus told them, and he said, I can forgive your sins. Well, no one up to this point except God could forgive sins. Now we have a man trying to forgive sins. And they were thinking, who is this man that can forgive sins? And so Jesus speaks up and he says, which is easier, to forgive sins or for me to heal him? I love the fact that Jesus points out that at that time, it was actually easier for people to believe that Jesus could heal somebody versus forgive somebody. But now today, it is harder for us to believe that God can heal somebody versus forgive somebody. If, someone, if I gave an altar call and someone came down here and asked Jesus into their heart, would anyone in here doubt whether they were saved? No. Not at all. And healing is that simple. That simple. And Jesus goes ahead and shows them. As easy as it is for me to forgive somebody, it is that easy for me to heal somebody. That's pretty interesting. So anyway, so Jesus, um, you know, he's messed them all up. He's messed these guys up. In fact, uh, they perceived him as just a regular man. They just perceived him as just another man. They didn't perceive him as God. They didn't perceive him as the Son of God. How you perceive someone is how you receive from that person. And they were not able to receive anything from Jesus that he came to bring because they didn't perceive him for who he is. Perceive means just to to know or to see. If I perceive something, then I know and I see it. In fact, Jesus came into an instance with a Samaritan woman. Uh, He was in Samaria, and he came down by a well, and he was thirsty. And the Samaritan woman comes up to him, and Samaritans and Jews had no doings, no business with each other. 
And so this Samaritan woman comes to draw from the well, and he says, give me a drink. And she's thinking, who are you? I'm not going to give you a drink. Who do you? We don't even talk. You're, you're a Jewish guy. I'm not going to do anything for you. And then Jesus goes on and says, uh, why don't you go get your husband? Oh, I don't have one. Yeah, I know, because you have five. You had five, and now the person you're with isn't even your husband. And she immediately responds with, I perceive you to be a prophet. All of a sudden, her perception gets changed. Why? Because he showed himself to be who he was. He's not just a man. He showed himself to be God. So these men did not perceive Jesus for who he was. And so everything he's doing, they've got a problem with it. And they're stuck in their old traditions, and he's just blasting through their traditions. He's just shutting them all down, locking them all up. And they can't believe that he's doing the things that he's doing. And he says, you will not receive what I'm doing unless you get new skins to put the new wine that I'm bringing you in. He told the same thing to John the Baptist. Remember, John the Baptist confronted him and said, you are of God. And Jesus says, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. You cannot see it. What's he saying? You have to receive something new to be in something new. So this year, we have to do something different. We need to receive something new if we're going to see change. We're going to see change. Are we going to end up a year from now in the same boat that we were in today? There's things that we want to put down. I know there are things in my life that I want to put down. There are things that I want to cut off. You know, the Bible talks about sins and weights in Hebrews. That means they're two different things. That means there's things in your life that maybe they're not necessarily a sin, but they're holding you back. See, sins stop you, but weights just slow you down. And all I know is I'm running this race, I'm in this fight, and I don't want anything holding me back. I don't want anything stopping me. I don't want anything slowing me down. I want to be able to achieve God's purpose when I need to achieve it and get to where I'm supposed to go. That's what I want to do. And that's what I want this church to do. But we'll have to change some things. We'll have to change. There are some things that we'll have to confront. And change always requires confrontation. And confrontation is the hardest part. It's the initial step, and it's always the hardest, the confrontation of it. Whether it be an addiction, whether it be your job, whether it be a behavior, uh, whether it be a lifestyle, whether it be a person. I mean, there might, be, there might be some of you in this room that need to cut off relationships this year. And just say, you know what, I need to cut that relationship off. It's holding me back. It's a weight to me. Uh, they are not an encouragement to me. They are not receiving from me any longer. I just need to cut that relationship off. Guess what that's going to require? Confrontation. That's going to require having to go face-to-face and saying, look, this relationship is just not profitable for me any longer. I love you. I love what I could do for you. I love what I could see changing you. But at this point in time, uh, you are not moving me forward. You're bringing me backwards. And I need to go somewhere. And you're keeping me from getting there. These are things that we'll have to adjust. And it's on you. It's on you. I know in my life the things that I want to cut off, the things that I want to add, they're going to require confrontation, and we'll do it. You know, And, and this will keep us, um, I'll tell you right now, this will keep me from having to have some, some meetings. You know, When we counsel people, you know, I give them the word. That's all I do. I don't give them my opinion. I don't give people what I think you should do or, or how you, I think your life can be better. Just give them the word. And if you can follow that, that keeps me from having the second one or keeps you from having to come back and say, man, I'm still dealing with this. Let's just apply what we have. I'm telling you, the word of God is so powerful. The word is so powerful. But the problem is, and I made this statement this morning in prayer, we just don't make time for it. We just don't make the time. If you have idle time, the Bible talks about idleness. I, and, and if you have idle time, we need to be picking up the Bible. Now, there's a lot of us that are busy. I understand that, which means we have to make time. It means you get up earlier, you go to bed later, you're doing something different on your lunch break, uh, you're, you're turning off a show. I mean, we have to make time because the change doesn't come without making time for the Word, period. 
a lot of us are uh, believing in someone else's Bible. When I say a lot of us, I'm not talking about this church in particular. I'm talking believers in general are believing in someone else's Bible. They've never actually picked it up and read it for themselves or gotten into it enough. I printed out this morning some Bible reading plans that I would love for you all to get in. Um, I put 10 over there. I've got to get the actual copy. I had it emailed to me this real quick this morning. I wasn't able to print off the whole thing. But it's got enough for you to get started until Wednesday. It's got you know, plenty of months on there. There's plenty on there for four days. And you ought to get and just creating that development of being in the Word every single day. It's good. Prayer is another one. And, and being in prayer. Uh, we have corporate prayer here. And it's awesome for the body to come together and get hooked up because you bring a supply to that. We spent some time this morning looking th- throughout the book of Acts and what happened when the believers got together in prayer. They got boldness. They received power. They received direction. God's got a direction for this church, and it's not just for me. It's for the entire church. And I'm praying, and uh, we need to come together as a unified body, one group, uh, in one accord. I mean, the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter 2 because they were all in one place. Jesus said, go to Jerusalem and wait for me. He didn't say, go to your houses, and then when you all each individually get it, then you can come together and have one big party. He said, get in a group together, wait for my Holy Spirit, and then I'm going to send them to you all at once because you're in one accord. And 3,000 people were added that day. That's some power. So prayer is another one. But we need to be praying in our own time. A lot of us have a relationship uh, with someone else's God. And what you believe about God and what you know about God is because of someone else's life or because what you heard your pastor say or what your mother taught you or your father taught you instead of finding them out for yourself. I know, you know, this is probably stepping on some toes, but we want change. We want change in our lives. We want to go somewhere. We want to do something different in 2012. And how, however awesome 2011 was, I don't care if it was the greatest year on the planet, you made the most money, you got the greatest job, you got every answer you could ask for, God never stops. I've said before that God is a God of levels, which means he's always propelling you to the next level. He never gets someone to a point and says, you have reached your maximum potential. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. When do we hear that? In heaven, in the end, in home, when we go home. Right now, we're not there. Um, you know, I hear about ministers that retire, and I just I can't picture that. I can't picture retiring from the ministry. You might lessen because of your age. I mean, you know, men in the Bible had to do things because they got older, but they were always doing the purpose of God. You know, maybe you don't travel as much. Maybe you don't minister every week, but retiring from the ministry and just going to church, I don't know. That, that's, that's tough on me. Maybe when I'm 65, I'll see it different. I don't know, but there's too much spunk in me right now to, to even think about <laughs> retiring. I'm ready to tackle this thing. And, um, but, you know, we have to see that God is always trying to get us to a new level, a new level. So my question this morning is, what's the difference? What's the difference? Something has to be different. To, to get change, you have to do something different. We've already seen that. Something has to be done differently. What are we going to do different this year? What is going to be different in our lives? What are we going to change? What are we going to cut off? What are we going to add? I got one last one here in uh, Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. You know, by nature, sin nature that is, uh, man is created as uh, has a habit of, has a nature of habit, creatures of habit where once we get into a routine, break that routine. Try. And it takes work. Sometimes it doesn't uh, seem as much work to get into the habit as it is to get out of the habit. Amen? But it takes work. But we have a new nature. We have a new nature that habitually wants to do and fulfill the purpose of God for our lives. We have that nature living inside of us. If you are born again, you are no longer of the nature of this world, of the things that are around you. You have a new nature. You are a new creation, a new species of being with the Holy Spirit living inside of you, enabling you and empowering you to change that part of your life that you want to change. 
I said this a few weeks ago in our study on the Holy Spirit that it's awesome that Jesus called the Holy Spirit our helper, which right there identifies that we are not supposed to do this on our own. And it's always helpful. It's always an extra bonus when you know that someone's helping you. If I get called to go help move somebody, if they tell me I've got three other guys here with me, that's awesome. If I hear that I'm going to help move somebody by myself, it's okay. But when you hear that there's people there to help, then it's a lot easier. And none of this that we're supposed to do, we're supposed to do on our own. I don't care if you have family around you. I don't care if you have friends that are going to help, help you get through it. You have your best friend, the greatest person on the face of the planet, the Holy Spirit, living within, within you, enabling and empowering you to make these changes. I'm not saying these changes are easy. I'm not saying cutting that thing off that you know you need to cut off and, and making that next step. And it might seem like baby steps at, at the beginning. It's, I know when I, get in, when, when I got in the gym, it's baby steps. It's not going the first day and it's like, wow, I'm, I'm already benching 50 more pounds than I was yesterday. I mean, it don't happen that way. It's work. But then 60 days, 90 days, six months of staying at it and pushing yourself to go the next limit, then you can look back six months. And how many of you know time is flying? It's flying. And July will be here before you know it. And I would like to be able to get to July and be able to look back at today and say, yeah, we've gotten somewhere. Yes, we've pushed somewhere. And it requires that work to change. Matthew chapter 23, verse 13. Jesus, one more time. Jesus, one more time, is talking to the Pharisees. In fact, this entire chapter, he's got some very harsh words. He calls them fools. He calls them snakes. He calls them hypocrites. I mean, he just, he breaks it all out here. Um, For those of us that paint this picture of Jesus being a nice guy and he just walked around loving everybody and shaking hands and read this chapter. He's going off. But look what he says here in verse 13. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you have shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves nor do you allow those to go in. What's he saying? He's saying your motives and your traditions are so selfish that you have actually locked up other people from being in the kingdom. Here is what will be your greatest motivation for anything you do this year. Let me tell you. Others. Others. I want to change what's in me because I want to help someone else. I want to change my lifestyle because I want to be able to do something for someone else. I want to change the way I live because I want to be in a position to be able to help someone else. I'll tell you right now, if you start here January 1st, 2012, saying that you want to lose weight or quit smoking or uh, drop that television show because of me, we probably won't make it very far because me isn't good enough. Because you know what? You can satisfy yourself pretty easy. You can satisfy yourself just sitting and watching the show. You can satisfy yourself eating the hamburger. You can satisfy yourself doing whatever you're doing. It's got to go beyond that. You've got to see the big picture. Jesus' motives for people changing was never for themselves. It was for others. It was for, I have too much influence. I have too much impact. I I can affect this person differently. If I put this down, in fact, he said, I don't even do my own will. I'm not even here because I want to be here. I'm not even here because I asked to be here. He says, I am here on my father's will. I am here on my father's initiative. What he tells me to say, I say. Where he tells me to go, there were times Jesus did things he didn't want to do. I'll tell you right now, Jesus, when he had the interaction with the Samaritan woman, did not want to minister to her. He was tired, sat down at the well, to get a drink because he'd been traveling and sent his disciples into the city to get food for him. He was not there thinking, wonder who I'm going to get to minister today. Why? Because he's a hundred percent man. He's flesh. He got tired. He got weary. Okay. We know that right before he went to the cross, he had that dialogue with God and said, man, if there is any other way 
Because my flesh does not want to go through with this. My flesh does not. But here's the thing. What we have to change is change the flesh so our spirit can do what it needs to do. Every single person in this room has a spirit inside of you. And that spirit has been tagged with an assignment and a purpose from heaven. And guess what's in the way? Your flesh, your wills, your desires. Eve found the food, found the fruit on the tree desirable. Therefore, it took her spirit, man, off course. Because her spirit was all about don't eat the fruit, obey God, fulfill his purpose for you in the earth. But the flesh wanted something different. And that's what First John talks about when it says the world is the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Those are the three things that get in the way of us fulfilling our purpose. And those are the three things that every year people want to change. They want to change their desires. They want to change their cravings. They want to change what they want. They want to change what they're after, what they're pursuing. That's what they're trying to change. So it's hindering their spirit. Without this change, 2012 will look like a previous year, and you will be able to look back and say, my influence was hindered for someone else. I'm not saying that you, want to, that you need to change because you need to feel better about yourself. You need to change because there's people you have an influence on. There's people that you affect, and your lifestyle is producing the wrong results to have the full effect of your influence on someone else's life. That's what this change is all about. That's what this change is all about. Part of this message this morning, I'm, I'm also kind of changing gears and changing course. I, I wanted to do this when I first came, and I knew that I needed to lay some foundation. Um, but the next few weeks, and I don't know how long I'll do it, however I need to do it, um, but I'm going to lay a strong, hard foundation on the kingdom of God. Um, you've heard me talk about it a ton. You heard Pastor Brian talk about it when he was here. You heard Pastor Earl talking about it when he was coming. But I need to take it to the next level. It has to be the next level because it is what's going to propel this church. In fact, um, this morning when I was studying, I went through and took a list of everything I've taught to this point. Uh, One of my messages was called Culture Shock. I talked about the culture in the earth. Um, and how we have a different culture. One of my, I did a series on kingdom mind renewal. Um, I did a message called Separated, talking about in the world but not of it. Um, I did another message called The Real Reality, talking about the unseen realm and how the unseen realm is more real than what we see. We're currently in a series on Wednesdays about the Holy Spirit. And I also did a series not too long ago called A New Standard of Living. And we talked about how Jesus came to bring a better quality of life than what we're in. He called us to bring, uh, brought us to a new standard to raise us up. Every single one of those messages is a foundation for the kingdom. And I didn't know it when I did it, but every single one of them will propel us into what I plan on going into next week. And I'm just going to lay out the kingdom um, because the kingdom is not a subject. The kingdom is not just, that's what I talked about this week. The kingdom is everything that I talk about. No matter what I'm talking about, it has to do with a kingdom. It has to do with the government system of God. In fact, the kingdom is what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about the wineskins. He was saying, I'm here to bring the kingdom to you. But you're trying to pour the kingdom into your old way of thinking into your old traditions, into your old lifestyles. I'll be honest with you. When I first heard the kingdom message, there was a part of me that struggled because I had been in the word um, all my life. Obviously, I'm not that old, but I had been surrounded with the word since I was young. And um, I was actually a little bit angry when I heard the kingdom message because it illuminated and it, it was enlightened to me. But the depth of it, And how important it was, I did not grasp at first. It took me about four months because I was angry. So why have I never heard this before? Why have I been on this planet for 25 years, 26 years, and never heard this preached, never heard this spoken like this? Uh, Because I heard it from a man 
who actually lives in another country that is a kingdom. And so he understands how a kingdom operates, and he uses different terminology. But you know, I was angry. I believe faith. I believe healing. I believe prayer. I believe the Holy Spirit. I believe in forgiveness. I believe, uh, you know, in the Bible. But how come I've never seen this? Because it's all that Jesus talked about. It's all that Jesus talked about. If you go from Matthew through John, uh, it's mentioned in there over 150 times. He talks about the kingdom. Everywhere he goes, the kingdom of God is like this, and the kingdom of God is like that, and the kingdom can be, cared, can be, can be compared to this, and repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's all in there, and I'm, I was a little angry. And then I went and I heard another speaker that was talking on it, and he made a statement that changed my thinking forever. He used that verse that I just read. You cannot pour new wine into old wineskins. And he said, the kingdom now has to become the filter. So everything I knew about faith goes in the kingdom. Everything I knew about healing goes in the kingdom. And let me tell you this, it's not a change of doctrine. It's added to. See, there was a time when all I believed in was salvation, being saved and being born again. And you're here to live a good life and go to heaven. Then I heard about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit coming on you, the evidence of speaking in tongues. I didn't do away with salvation. I still believe in salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit and then other things throughout my life. And then when the kingdom came, I haven't done away with salvation. It doesn't change what I believe about salvation. It doesn't change what I believe about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It just makes everything clear. See, you've heard the statement, we miss the forest for the trees. And when you're in the forest, you just see the individual trees. But what the kingdom is, is God's big picture. It's the big picture. If you back out, you can see the whole forest, and that's the kingdom. So faith now becomes a tree in that forest. Healing becomes a a tree in the forest. And so I want the kingdom message and the kingdom understanding to have the impact on your life that it has had on mine. Because the kingdom is about is everything to me. And I know I haven't gone into it so in depth. I've mentioned it because everything I've preached is uh, leading to that, and it has to do with the kingdom. So part of my message this morning, talking about change, is prepare to change your thinking. Prepare to, prepare to change the way you see things. And I'm going to bring it. By the Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring illumination. I'm going to show you the kingdom clearly. We're going to understand it. We're going to understand what a kingdom is. We're going to understand how a king operates because we don't know these things. We live in America in a democracy where everyone has a vote, everyone has a say, and everyone has an opinion. It's actually the exact opposite of what a kingdom is. It's man's failed attempt to bring the kingdom back to the earth. And so we're going to be going into this. And so part of my message twofold, obviously being New Year's Day, I wanted to talk about resolutions. I want to talk about change. I want to talk about doing something different so we can see something different. But we're also getting ready to go into the kingdom message. We're getting, I'm getting ready to lay it down, and it's going to require this, all the same things I talked about, all the same things. The Pharisees missed the kingdom because of their man-made traditions. I don't want us to miss the kingdom because of any man-made traditions. So we have to throw it all out. It's what I had to do. Not that the teachings were false, not that they were wrong. I had to start over. And I had to take, I was trying to dump the kingdom into my faith teaching. Well, how is the kingdom in my faith teaching? How is the kingdom in my healing? How is the kingdom in my purpose? I had to reverse it. Now everything filters through the kingdom. And now I see everything clear. It's almost as if I've put on a pair of glasses. I wear glasses, so I know how they work. I also wear contacts. And when I put my contacts on or my glasses on, everything's clear. I could still see. I mean, if I set my contact, I could go out the door. I could get to my truck, maybe make it home. I don't know. I haven't never tried that. But with it in, I see everything clear. I still I saw faith, I saw salvation, but now it's all been it's been put in perspective. My perceptions change. And again, how you perceive something's how you receive it. 
And I thank God that I perceive it, and I want you to see it, and I want you to know it. Amen? So who's excited about this year? Who is excited about changing? And not just hoping for change and wishing for change, but changing, doing it, whatever it is, whatever it is. I believe right now with you, I hook up with you, I agree with you, that whatever it is in your life that you're looking to change, whatever it is that you're looking for to be the difference in your life, I believe that you will have the strength, the Holy Spirit will come alongside you and guide you and be your helper. No failure, no hindrance will slow you or stop you. We will push through and we will accomplish everything we need to accomplish. There's things in our lives that need to be put down so we can uh, do what we need to do in this church. There are things in our lives that need to be put down so we can affect our jobs and our communities. That's what God's looking for. We're not to conform to the world. We know this. We're supposed to be transformed. That's in your thinking. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's where it takes place. Remember I always said from the beginning, if you want to live different, think different. So let's go on this thing thinking different. I know most of you have probably already sat down and listed and labeled out what you want to change, what you want to see different. We may have already had that. If we haven't, we'll probably from, from this message on sit down and, and really start to look at it and scrutinize and get down and say, what needs to change? What, what am I doing with my time? What am I doing? Am I in the word enough? We can always, that's probably one of the number one resolutions that I hear from church people is, I want to grow closer to God. Guess what? He's given you his word, and he has opened up the channels to be able to communicate with him. So we have everything at our disposal. We're not blaming anybody anymore. We're not blaming our past. We're not blaming how we were raised. We're not blaming how people talked to us. We're not blaming what people said to us. We are moving on, putting it all behind us, and saying, I am letting it go, and I'm going to see change in 2012. Amen? Well, Father, we thank you this morning.